0: This is The Art of the Hookup, your straightforward guide to a successful sex life. I'm Georgie Wolfe, an Aussie escort and total hookup enthusiast. Welcome to episode 22, the ultimate hookup FAQ with writer and educator Alison Moon. She's just published a new book on casual sex and she's joining us to tackle the big questions about doing sex better. Before we get started, just a reminder that this podcast is adults only. And with that said, let's get into it. Hi, this is Georgie here. I'm a writer, sexual adventurer and independent escort from Melbourne, Australia. My mission is to talk honestly about all the stuff you need to know to have a great hookup. And by that, I mean finding the people that are right for you, negotiating amazing sex and walking away feeling good about yourself. Earlier this year, I got some pretty exciting news. I heard on The Grapevine that legendary writer Alison Moon, the author of Girl Sex 101, was working on a book about how to have good casual sex, and now it's here. It literally launched today. Her book, Getting It, has just been released. It's a comprehensive, inclusive, and fun-to-read guidebook that covers all the bases of hookup culture, from first moves and sex etiquette to navigating non-monogamy and sexual health. I'm excited to announce that Alison herself is joining me today. So for this episode, I've put together a list of some of the really big questions that listeners and readers often ask about hookups, and I can't wait to hear what she has to say. Alison, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: I'm super excited about this. Um, I love Girl Sex 101. It's, I think it's probably the most conversational, accessible book I've ever read about sex. So when I heard that you were actually writing a book about casual sex, which is totally my jam, I got super excited about this.
1: Oh, yeah, Thank you so much.
0: But uh, look, just in case anyone isn't familiar with your work, would you like to give us a quick spiel on who you are and like, what sort of stuff you do?
1: Sure. So, uh, my name is Allison. I am a sex educator based on the West Coast of the United States. And I teach workshops and I write books. And most of those are about, you know, teaching adults how to have more sexual pleasure in their lives, how to have better relationships in general. Mm -hmm. And the book that really put me on the map is called Girl Sex 101, which is a guide for women about how to have sex with women. And, uh, I realized that there was just kind of a gap in the market. There were books about lesbian sex out there, but I wanted one that really spoke to my generation that was very conversational, Mm -hmm. that didn't feel too didactic, that didn't feel too, um, what's the way to say it? I just feel like, you know, I wanted to feel like I was a big sister giving good advice, not, you know, a professor teaching a a, a course, right?
0: Oh my God, it felt that way. It was (laughs) totally
1: like that. Oh, good. That's I mean, that's exactly what I wanted. And I also wanted a book that was trans inclusive. And uh, that became a huge selling point for the book because so many trans girls are left out of the conversation when it comes to Mm. having sex. And so this book is trans inclusive. I talk about what to do with penises, um, if they're attached to your girlfriend, or if they're attached Mm -hmm. to you. Um, Basically, what I love about this is that the book is You know, reached far more people than I ever could in my workshops and it's gone around the world and it's reached a lot of really great people including a lot of straight men which I love. Mm -hmm. I have so many straight male readers because they understand that the sex education that they may have gotten was also not as fulfilling to their Mm. partners as it could be. Um, So you know it's kind of like a guidebook to how to have sex like a lesbian in some ways and so that's been really fun as well.
0: I was going to ask about that actually because I think I just don't think there's there are many good um, resources for for straight blokes. Um, and certainly um, when I was getting my head around being bi-curious and bisexual, the Girl Sex 101 was the only thing that really felt like getting advice, like you said, from an older sister, as opposed to reading some sort of textbook. So I was super curious as to whether straight people might have jumped on that bandwagon too.
1: Yeah, and I think it has to be a certain kind of progressive straight person, right? Like I think that they have to, I mean, it's certainly men, I think, straight men, I feel, are often left behind in sex conversations, yeah. which I think is kind of horribly ironic, right? Um, and I think often straight male sexuality is, is pathologized in some ways. And I think mm. it's not necessarily the fault of straight men. It's the fault of this idea of the patriarchy, right? And so I think mm-hmm. that, you know, when a man is, realizes, hey, maybe I didn't get the right education, and he reaches for books that are queer focused, that are female pleasure focused, I think he does himself and every woman in his life a great service. Oh, um, my God. And so, yeah, it's been really nice to know that, like, there are people who find the book that way. And then Getting It came out of that because I realized that probably a good, you know, 25 to 50 percent of my readers were straight men. I wanted to write a book that actively included them, too. And so I wrote Getting It, which is a book for all genders, all orientations, all about better communication and better skill sets to have, you know, better hookups and better casual sex.
0: That is such a cool way of arriving there, starting with a niche group and then actually realizing that, Everyone needs this stuff so much so that um, that everyone's reading the niche stuff because we just really need good sex advice. We need it so badly, mm-hmm. um, and, and we need wonderful. to not be
1: scoldy. And I think that this is the, oh. the big thing for me is that yes, I mean my my books are very conversational. And some people don't like that. Some people don't like that I'm using slang and being kind of goofy. And that's fine. You know, if that if that's your taste, that's fine with me. But I really wanted a book that was fun to read um, yeah. because again, like if we're dealing with something as fraught as sexuality, as frightening to so many people as sexuality. I want them to be ha- have fun and, and learn something while laughing. It's just a much better way of, of getting inside people's heads and teaching them something. Um, not telling them that they're mm-hmm. bad for wanting certain things or wrong for doing certain things, but here's a way to consider it and let's, you know, let's enjoy ourselves while we're having that conversation.
0: I do think that there's a, and it kind of, I get a bit mad about this. Like, I'm a big fan of cutting through the bullshit, and I do swear a lot in this podcast, so I apologize in <laughs> oh, <perfect>. advance. <laughs> but I think like when we feel like sex information has to be all academic and shit, we really exclude a whole lot of people who just can't get their heads around that stuff. And I think that's not fair. It's not fair to exclude people who might be uh, not as into reading wordy books or not into mm-hmm. reading academic shit. Like, it's it's pretty uncool.
1: Yeah. And I think that this is I mean, like, I I know that my brain works slightly differently. I have a hard time focusing on long blocks of text. And it's hard because I am I consider myself an intellectual. And at the same time, I I'm a slow reader. And that's a really painful thing. And it's actually I don't yeah. think I admit that very often in public at all. Um, So for me, like writing books is about like, I use a lot of bullet points and girl sex is completely filled with illustrations, right? Um mm-hmm. because I want people to be able to have their eyes dart around the page. I want them to have a moment to rest um before yep. they like see another big block of text. Like that's important to me because again, I don't want only people who are really good deep readers to be able to get this information. That's just not fair mm-hmm. or realistic.
0: We want to make it easy for people totally. Mm-hmm. Um and in the spirit of making things easy for people, and because I know this is totally your wheelhouse and you're mm. all over this stuff, I thought I'd just put together the, the biggest questions I could think about around casual sex and throw them all at you. Would that, does that sound like fun? Oh, I love that. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Good stuff. And of course, if you have any big questions you'd like to bring to the table, I'd love to hear it too. So feel mm. free to interject, but I, I basically grabbed the stuff that people ask me most often. Um, and I'd love to, I'd love to hear your take on them.
1: All Um, right. You ready? Yeah.
0: (laughs) So I guess the first one is being the devil's advocate a bit here. Like why should people read a book about how to have sex at all? Like, aren't we just supposed to know how to do sex? (laughs) Like, why do we even need to educate ourselves about this stuff?
1: That's a great question, because I think that is very pervasive across cultures, this Mm. idea that we're like, out of all the things in the world that we're just supposed to know how to do, why is it sex? It's not (laughs) strange to read books and watch movies to learn how to do literally anything else in the world. But somehow, sex is this thing that we're just supposed to naturally know. Even especially what? when it comes to sex with other people it's so ridiculous <laughs> to mm-hmm. consider that right, and of course, that comes from shame. It comes from cult- various cultures teaching us that we 're not supposed to talk about our bodies and talk about pleasure, and that's a huge disservice to to our children, to the young people in our mm. in our cultures that we're just leaving them alone in the lurch to just have to muddle through on their own and oh my God, so I think it's really important to acknowledge that we we teach each other everything we watch videos we we read books about everything under the sun and sex is absolutely one of those things that we also need to educate ourselves about and it comes from you know some people experience is the best teacher and I certainly want to acknowledge Mm -hmm. that for some of us it's going to be we decide to do something then we go into it and we make a lot of mistakes and we have a hard time and we figure stuff out and there's Mm -hmm. a a lot to be said for that around sex as well however when we're dealing with something as fraught as sex make mistakes often means breaking hearts, hurting people very badly, Trauma. hurting ourselves really badly, Yeah, traumatizing ourselves or other people, and just putting ourselves in situations that can create a huge amount of pain for a lot of different people. It's just a little bit too fraught. And again, like just like I would prefer people read a book about how to wire a lamp before they just go in there and grab <laughs> a bunch of wires. It's, oh. We have to treat it, treat it with that same amount of reverence and respect, right. uh, that it is a challenging field of knowledge, but it's an important one to educate ourselves in. So I think it's great for people to educate themselves before going into it. Um, And for a lot of us, this means age appropriate sex education, sex sex information. There are Mm -hmm. great books about sex and sexuality for everyone from children's books through Teenage years into adulthood. And again, I, I'm a big advocate of curiosity and lifelong learning. And mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of by buying a book that teaches you how to do something that other people think you should already know how to do. I think mm. that it's it's a beautiful thing. And the people who are most sexually attractive to me are the curious ones, are the ones who realize that not all bodies work the same way and that not all hearts work the same way, and that ultimately we need to have a certain facility with language and with touch in order Mm. to be able to be the most sexually fulfilling and fulfilled people we can be.
0: So agree. And there's something about proactive people too. People are like, oh, you know, you mentioned you're into this weird kink thing and I didn't know what it was. So I went and looked it up. There's something Mm. so sexy about people that actually, you know, put the effort in.
1: Oh, God! Yes, absolutely! And again, like people who like just are just curious right they when they when we get into bed, they ask questions instead of just doing things yeah, right or trying to guess or trying to guess exactly because they're afraid of not knowing. I mean, I find that the most amazing interactions with people i 've had sexually and platonically have happened in spaces where you know workshops are happening, mm. sex clubs where people are really you know curious and exploring. Events that are sex positive, like storytelling events and such, like, those are Mm -hmm. my people. And those are usually the people who are the most incredible lovers is because they realize that there's there there is so much to learn always. And that sex is not just one thing. It looks different every time. And that's part of the beauty of it.
0: And, of course, we're often scared. I feel like people are often scared to put themselves in these situations, like, oh, no, I can't have the conversation about sex, I can't go to the erotic reading, I can't go to the sex club, I might just, someone might, you know, I'll I'll die, it'll be too terrifying. But once you get there, you realise that actually everyone that is interested in these things, they're just people who are interested in sex. They're not going to leap on you and tear your clothes off without your permission, that we're just people that are cool with sex and like talking about it. It's not scary.
1: Yeah. And I think that, I mean, I've certainly been in that position before and I don't want to sound like I've just, you know, was born on the mountaintop, right? Like I had (laughs) first walking into a sex party vibe and the, oh my God, what's it going to be like? And am I going to see anyone (laughs) I like? And are they going to just jump on me without asking and all the things? It's yes, it's absolutely terrifying. Um, Uh And even for people who aren't interested in sex parties necessarily, but like erotic readings and stuff, like there's going to be that nervousness for a lot of us and that's okay. That's part Mm. of the joy of it if you let it be. And I think that's really, it's really important to know that like, this is, we're all neophytes at some point. We're all new to something. And I think that's, it it doesn't matter if that happens for you in your seventies or, you know, on your 18th birthday, whatever it is, it's okay to be new.
0: And we're still going to be nervous about sex. Even when we, even when we're sex educators, even when we've been doing it for years, or even when we're 70, we're still going to go on a, a date or have a one night stand or whatever and be nervous about it because, you know, this stuff is kind of
1: vulnerable. Oh, yeah. I mean, like when you when you're with someone you really like, it doesn't matter how old you are and how many people you've been with before. That Suddenly the stakes feel huge. Yes. And so I've I definitely and I've had that even recently where I'm with new people and I'm like, oh, my God, my heart's beating a, a million miles a minute. And will I touch them in a way that they like? And will oh. we find compatible things? Because it oh, feels. <laughs> I <know. laughs> and I think that like when we learn to like Treat that as part of the joy of sex rather than the horrible part of it. I think that's when things get really fun and interesting. Mm. My gym coach calls
0: it um, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. ov- obviously, when it comes to sex, we should never push ourselves into an uncomfortable situation. But those nerves you're talking about, the sort of excited, nervous, little, little bit of safe amount of risk type uh, feelings, like that's the kind of thing we do need to get comfortable with. The I'm about to have a sex conversation nervousness or the I'm about to try something new that I find really sexy nervousness, like that's, that's important stuff. You wouldn't want to, you know, kill that off because we wouldn't enjoy it as much.
1: Totally. And I think that there's even another distinction I'd like to add, which is the difference between feeling uncomfortable and feeling unsafe. Right. Yes. And, And again, it's going to feel different for everybody. And depending on how we're wired and depending on how we were raised, we might have a hard time telling the difference. And I certainly acknowledge that and understand that. And I think that's a really good thing for us to really get clear on for ourselves. What's the difference? How does it feel in our bodies? Because mm. then we can make choices that can feel edgy or scary, yeah, yeah. but exciting scary. And we can get ourselves Safe, out of scary. situations that feel unsafe, not good. This is a bad thing. And the better we can get at listening to that distinction for ourselves, the safer and the more you know, fulfilling our sexual experiences will be.
0: So it kind of feels like maybe reading a book about casual sex, for example, <laughs> might not, may, it may not stop us from feeling nervous about sex, but it will help us feel safer about sex, in particular about casual sex.
1: Yeah, and that's the, I mean that's the kind of the trick of of getting it is that it's not about, you know, how to get laid tonight. That's not what my book is. And if people buy it expecting that, I I'm sorry, I'm going to just pick guide. No, it's not a pickup guide. God. No, it's the opposite of a pickup guide. It's a what do I want to experience and how can I create an environment in which that is more likely to happen? And mm. the, when it does happen, how can I how can I improve myself and my relationships such that the odds of that being a fulfillment? willing, wonderful, enriching Mm. interaction are are even better. And that's when it becomes like learning to listen to yourself, learning to understand your desires, learning to know why you're doing it in the first place, right? What you actually want. Yeah, exactly. And, and because that's the thing, like there are plenty of reasons to have casual sex. Only one of them is sexual pleasure. There are a ton of other reasons to do it. Mm-hmm. And so the clearer we can get in our reasons, the more likely we will be able to generate interactions that fulfill those reasons. Such a good point.
0: And I think this probably pretty neatly brings me to my next question, which is, in your opinion, and again, this is a bit of a silly question, in your opinion, like what's better is hookup. And casual sex better, or is relationship sex better? What's more, what's more fun? What's more enjoyable? What's your opinion?
1: Well, I mean, I think it's the the difference between like which is was tastes better, like a, f- a five course m- price fixed meal at a fancy restaurant, or a burrito at, in the oh, mission at three AM after the party. burrito oh, in the life. mission. I've been there. Oh my god. And this is the thing it's like there are different things for different times and different tastes, and I would certainly never say one is the better than the other um I've been partnered for fifteen <clears throat> years to my my primary partner. We have an open relationship, mm-hmm. and we have wonderful sex, even through the pandemic It's been hard our sex lives have really taken a hit yeah. um but uh you know we've we've had a wonderful sexual interactions, and at the same time, I really love hooking up with a new person and having hot you know outside mm-hmm. of the bathroom at the club kind of sex too <laughs> um i think there's a lot of there's a lot of range of it and so for me like the best sex is the sex that you want to have right yes and so for, and it, i say this often with non-monogamy too i teach a lot of polyamory workshops is that like neither one is more evolved monogamy is a perfectly legitimate choice as long as it's a choice but a lot as of people don't realize you that. you want they- Yeah, but a lot of people don't realize they have the choice. And it's the same thing with casual sex. Like for some people, your slut phase may last your entire life. And if that Mm. makes you happy, that is awesome. And for some people, they may never want a slut phase. And that's also awesome. But I want people to to know and opt into the sex that they want to have, knowing what their actual options are. Mm,
0: Don't just take the default position. Right. Yeah. I think uh, I think I might be, I'm going to go off and get the best sex is the sex you want to have on a t-shirt. That's the best, <laughs> the best slogan ever. Totally agree. And personally, I find because I'm in a, a couple of relationships um, and I find that non-monogamy helps my relationships with my long-term partners. So like you said, having that excitement of being able to go off and meet new people, and then I can sort of take that excitement back to my relationships. So mm-hmm. really- it does really help. They sort of go together really well for me. But like you said, everyone's different, right?
1: Yeah, but I think that also like what you're pointing to is a, is a function of casual sex as well, or it can be, which is that, you know, when you sleep with different people, you're going to learn new things about yourself and other mm. people. You're going to learn new ways to be touched that you hadn't been touched before. You're going to learn about new kinks that you didn't know you were into, but suddenly with that person really worked for you. And you're going to learn so much about other people's bodies and how pleasure works for other people. Mm -hmm. And that is a beautiful life lesson. That's the stuff that, again, you might not not ever see that person or even want to see that person again, but that doesn't mean Mm. that the stuff that they taught you about your body can't be integrated into your life for years to come.
0: Yes, good sex is personal growth, and personal growth is good for your relationships as well. Mm. Yeah, excellent. So this might be a bit of a... um. Uh, garden variety uh, this might be a bit tricky um, but question three is um, what's the number one thing that you wish people did better when they hook up what if you could just change one thing about the way most people hook up what what would you like to see change
1: Ooh, that's a That's a really good question it's pretty broad <laughs> no but it, I think it's it's I think it's gets to the heart of it right so many people find casual sex unfulfilling and right. it's I don't think it's it's casual sex's fault right it's almost so the default position. So it's right. sort of like,
0: oh, casual sex is supposed to be shit because it's casual, but that doesn't make sense to me. Like, why no. why go into the effort if it's going to suck?
1: Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. I Casual sex doesn't mean that it's meaningless. It just means that it's fleeting. And I think that's okay. Mm. Um, I think to answer the question, though, um, I wish people asked more questions and listened to the answer. And I think that's the really big part because, you know, so many people are afraid to ask questions in the first place because they don't Mm. want to feel stupid, right? They don't want to feel ignorant. But then they also, even if they do ask the question, oftentimes they won't listen truly to the answer and also the energy behind the answer. And this is where we have to really learn to communicate better is that we have to learn to be honest with ourselves and with our partners. We Mm -hmm. have to learn to say, instead of, you know, whatever you want, babe, to actually say what we want. Um, And we have to be willing to be vulnerable because sometimes those things that we want can feel weird or awkward or too pervy or kinky for other people. And we have to still be willing to to take that risk and to say, this is what I want. This feels good to my body. And this is what I don't want. And this is what I don't want you to do. And I think that if we just talked more, really, I mean, just mm-hmm. talked more. I And this is something I talk about a lot in my book and just in life is that for you and I, Georgie, the, the sexual rebels in this world, <laughs> we have, we know something that a lot of people don't, which is that great sex especially you know sex that happens in orgies and wild parties mm. and and uh, on you know dates for money and all the things mm-hmm. there's a lot of talking there's a yes. lot of talking we we negotiate we talk about what we like we talk about what we don't like right. we talk about touch that feels good we talk about things that we've enjoyed in the past that we'd like to try again we talk a lot and i mean people don't see this in porn but in porn, they talk a lot. They just edit that yes. stuff out, right? <laughs> like, but I wish they didn't. I wish they didn't. I know, yeah. And I, I think that this is something that I, I want people to know because because ta- the, the more you talk about it, the better it can be. And I think that this is – This is just. I see this as just a a giant problem, especially about Mm -hmm. among younger people who are enjoying sex. They think that they have to know everything right out of the gate, and therefore Mm -hmm. you just muscle through bad situations or things that don't feel good. Because rather than thinking I don't like this kind of touch, oftentimes they'll think I don't like this kind of touch. What's wrong with me?
0: Yeah, right? I must have done something.
1: I must have done something. My body's not built right. You know, all of these things where we blame ourselves for for, for interactions that don't feel right. And that's yeah. a problem. We need to t- and if we talked more about things like this, if we and even in, like not out of the bedroom. Like if we talked more over brunch with our friends about the details of sex that are interesting mm. to us, the fantasies and fetishes we have, the more we'd realize that everyone is so different, and that right. so many people like different things, and that you know, if you like your clit touch this way and I like my clit touch this way, it doesn't mean that either one of us has a has a broken clit, right? It just means that we just like different things, and I think exactly. that you know, we need to have more public conversations about sex, like what you're doing with your podcast. We need to bring this kind of conversation to the public square so that people realize that they're not alone, that they're not weird or broken, that variety is the rule when it comes to sex. And just to
0: see that diversity, because sometimes it's easy to go, everyone's different, but you don't really realize how different we all are until you start listening to other people's stories and experiences. And then you go, oh, we are actually all different and it's kind of fine. It's fine that I would never do that stuff that that other person does, but they love it, but they don't do the stuff that I do, but I like it. Like it doesn't really land until you really um, find out what other people are getting up to.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: I'm kind of interested what you say about muscling through things too because I kind of feel like um, my – learning around consent and stuff like that is is pretty recent for me and what i've noticed is that i did like when i was younger i did just sort of go oh this doesn't feel great but it must be my fault so i'll just shut up and go with it um and what i've like the way i think about it now is like when we when we ignore stuff that makes us feel bad during sex and we just put up with it we're literally training our brains to um to accept that it's okay for us to feel bad and for us to have things done to us that we don't like mm-hmm. um And I I kind of think I I wish that I'd learned that earlier rather than going, oh, it's fine. I'll just I'll just put up with it this time. But that, in fact, every time I put up with something I didn't like, I was actually training myself to disrespect my own needs, Mm. uh, which kind of it's
1: kind of shit. That's a really effective framing. I appreciate that a lot. It's absolutely true. And again, like I think that when we have sex with someone that we think is cool and they think we are cool. I think we're doing not only ourselves, but also that other wonderful person a disservice Mm. by sticking with things. And they think that we like it, and so we just kind of lay back and take it. And that's not fair to either of us. Because now we're also yeah they're codifying that behavior as maybe that's a thing that all my all, all of my partners like right yeah. like it's kind of like the the bad kisser thing I mean, like when you encounter a bad kisser in the wild, it's like your job to teach them how to kiss well, right? <laughs> it, it is
0: like, literally my job <laughs> right <laughs> exactly
1: <laughs> but this like because it becomes like a, a service to the community, and this is actually uh, yeah. something that I talk about throughout g- getting it and that I think is part of my kind of life's work is acknowledging. That sex happens in community even if you're having sex one-on-one right that we have to raise the sexual intelligence of our entire community not just the people we're having sex with and the way we do that is by again speaking up for what we need and asking good questions of our partners and encouraging them to speak up for what they need Mm -hmm. because then you're raising that sexual the sexual cachet of your community and Mm and especially like when you have like a casual sex interaction and you teach them something or they you tell you speak up about that they're going to hopefully integrate that and remember that and so that the next people that they have sex with they'll have a little bit more education about bodies mm. pleasure communication and i want people to again like this is kind of back to the pu- sex talking about sex in the public square the more we have those conversations in public, the better off everyone's sexual health is. And I mean this in like a really kind of heavy way too. Like if you're the person somebody feels safe to talking about sex frankly with, you might be the person that they disclose a really traumatic experience to. You might Mm. be help people find the resources that they need to get help. You might help people feel safer going into spaces. Like there there is a ripple effect that when you become a safe person, sexually, suddenly that affects everyone you interact with. And I think that's really important.
0: And this is not just communities as in if you're in a niche community, such as the queer community or the kink community, this is hookup culture. You know, this is how we change hookup culture by actively Mm -hmm. going, I'm going to be a better person so that that spreads
1: around. Then it does work. It really does. And it, it, it bleeds into so many different spaces because, this stuff, I mean, it's, it follows the rules of transitivity. I mean, I think that maybe the world has thought a little bit more about how we are all connected in a new way this year, right? Yes. And the way how our interactions actually affect the lives of people we never even meet. This um, is true. And I think that that's it's the same thing with sexual knowledge and sexual information and sexual you know, comfort is that. We the we have way we have the ability to affect the lives of people sexually we'll never be in bed with and we'll never yeah. even talk to um by the ways that we interact with the people that in our immediate sphere. And I think that's really important to start thinking globally about what it means to be a sexual citizen, not just a sexual person. Oh,
0: oh I love this so much. Because we often just think like we're on our own and we're on our own. <laughs> I often think that we're <laughs> it's a bit early for me. I often think that. It kind of feels like we're, we're in this alone and, mm-hmm. you know, we have no control over what happens to us in the dating scene and we're afraid and vulnerable, but we have power and we, we're in a community and that community is everyone we pick up on Tinder. It's everyone <laughs> we pick up at the club or at the party it's you know and then these people go on and pass those experiences on i have a i have a bit of a fetish for going into bars and then randomly slipping men my number which is something <laughs> awesome. you see in movies but it doesn't yeah. happen very often in real life and then walking away but i'm spreading a pandemic of um, of this because now the guys that i've started hitting on in bars have started using the same technique on women in oh. bars they, they tell me, they're like, oh, it never occurred to me I'd actually do that. So now they go up to women, hand over their number, go, hey, I think you're amazing. Here's my number. And then they, they, go, they leave, which is the awesome. best way to hit on someone. Um, <laughs> awesome. But it had never occurred to them before to actually try. So I feel like just these little things where people go, oh, I've never tried that before. I'm, I'm going to now start doing it with other people. And we don't realize, because usually they don't tell us that, they, that they've taken that behavior and that they're using it. But it does happen, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I love that idea. Oh, my God. I, that would make me so nervous. I'm such a shy person.
0: <laughs> me too. This is how I get around it. I literally walk up, slap my number down on the bar, go, I think you're hot. And then I awkwardly run away and the look on their faces. It's so good
1: i i'm gonna try that next time it's safe to go out in in the bars uh, in another whatever months nine months or so uh in, here in the united, united states it might be much longer than that who knows but yeah. i will probably uh i will i will try that georgie thank you for that
0: oh please report back and let me know how it goes i,
1: <laughs> I feel like you need your own like branded matchbooks or something <laughs>
0: I know America's not great pandemic wise at the moment and in, in Melbourne we're doing okay, but we were in, in hard lockdown for a number mm-hmm. of months, so we couldn't even leave the house. Um, but I'm really hanging out for what some people have called the fuckening, which is when we finally <laughs> get the pandemic under control and then we can all just go out and have all that sex that we've been thinking about for the last year or year and a half.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we here in America, we've been talking about it like it's going to be the roaring twenties again. Right. And I think that, you know, I, and this is something, I mean, I fantasized, like, again, I'm shy and introverted. It's hard for, sometimes for people to believe that, but it's absolutely true. And, you know, I have been craving sex parties. I have been craving new places and, and clubs in ways that I never used to when they were available to me.
0: right. I watch movies and then start to get teary when I see people in bar scenes.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. I miss it so much. And, and, you know, for the girl for getting it, I was really hoping to throw a sex party book release party and oh. i i know and i'm like oh it's so sad and so maybe maybe when it become we'll do a we'll do a re-release when it's when it's safe to do because yeah i oh. there's something really special that happens in spaces where people are sexually expressed around one another especially yes. around people who are not actually having sex with there is something so healing and beautiful about watching other people engage in sex because again like you know we learn by watching often and right now we most of us we use porn As the way of watching, which I don't think is a great educational medium. Yeah, it's it's an entertainment medium, which is fine. But again, I watched The Lord of the Rings last night, and you know I'm not going to do half the things that Aragorn (laughs) or Legolas are doing. But I appreciate watching them do that. Right. (laughs) But educational wise, like I think that watching real people have sex in space with you can be so amazing to again just educate you in the variety of sexuality that's out right. there.
0: This is why threesomes are good.
1: Yeah. Mhm.
0: Cuz sometimes you don't know what your partner looks like having sex because you're too close and it's nice to step back and then go, oh, that's what people look like having sex. This is fascinating. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I, I had a threesome with two men recently, well, recently again, before the pandemic. And oh. it was a really beautiful experience because the, one of the men was straight and my partner is bisexual. And so oh, they lovely. negotiated how they could be with me what, with the straight guy feeling like, okay, I'm going to feel safe to be with this woman and with mm. another man around. And it was so fun to watch them talk about like, the various things that would feel good or wouldn't feel good knowing that they, you know, they had different mismatched sexual interests. Yes. Um, And that was such a wonderful moment for me to kind of enjoy watching these, my two lovers kind of find the middle ground that would feel really good for them. And then getting to experience that middle ground and having a great time.
0: Oh, that sounds so amazing. This Mm -hmm. might be a good time to ask my next question. Actually, again, we've beautifully brought it right to this one, which is like, How can we talk about safer sex and also just sex in general without it being awkward? Because it sounds like obviously that would have been a big conversation for you guys Mm -hmm. uh, so that everyone was comfortable. How do we have these conversations without it feeling weird and awkward?
1: Yeah, I think that the key is practice, and I think it comes from practicing having the conversations with people you're not having sex with, right? Mm. Um, I I I, th- I mentioned the brunch example because it actually is a real thing from my life. When I was younger, I had had sex with this guy that I was really excited about, and it got a little mm-hmm. rough, and I I had a couple bite marks on me, and Ooh. the next day at brunch, I was t- I was with two two girlfriends. And we were talking about our night and I was like, Oh my god, I had this really great time. This guy he bit me and I have a bruise and it like it's so hot and one of the girls slut shamed me right in the moment. Just slut oh. to- and I was just like, oh, and I had never, I mean, for me, sex was such a ebullient thing. I never had experienced that, like, somebody just literally making stink face at me. To your face. To my face. A friend. And so, you know, for me, I think it's really important to have those conversations in, you know, platonic spaces. Because, mm. like, those are the resources where you get to learn about things without the stakes feeling really high, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like, oh, you're oh, you're worried more about pregnancy. Like, what kinds of contraception do you use? Oh, you're worried about the exacerbation of chronic pain, like what steps do you take, and like what what acts do you are off the table for you because of your disability mm-hmm. and what acts do you in love because of your disability like there are yeah. so many different ways to have that conversation in a in a neutral way such that we can when the, the, it becomes easier to have when you 're you know in the in the cockpit of the plane, so to speak, like when you 're about to do the thing like mm-hmm. then it becomes easier
0: yeah, I was just going to say consent works similarly too. I find the more we get used to saying
1: no. In mm-hmm. everyday life, the easier it gets to say no during sex. Absolutely, and it comes from practice. And again, like so many people, they realize like if they said if they if they had a hard time saying no in bed, they often realize, oh my gosh, I have a hard time saying no all the time, right? To pan- handlers asking for for change, to mm-hmm. you know some to a, a telemarketer asking for my time, like it's yes, it's really hard for a lot of us to say no. And so I think it's important to practice, and it's important to practice. You know, even taking time to figure out the answer, I think is really great. Uh, Mm. To, you know, like in in the prep, you said, hey, by the way, like if you need to take some moments to think about your answer before your answer, that's okay. And like Mm -hmm. that's a really important thing for a lot of people to realize they have the space to actually think about something without it being a really pressuring moment
0: they don't have to know straight away, which is, of course, that sex assumption that we should know exactly what we want and exactly what we're doing, and if we look unsure and need a moment that we're failing somehow. But, of course, of course we need to think about it.
1: hmm hmm Yeah, and I think that, you know, another big part of it is just arming ourselves with knowledge. I think so many things, STIs being one of them, pregnancy mm. being another, can feel so scary when you don't actually understand all of the the details of them right Mm -hmm. so like if you're freaked out by syphilis like read up on syphilis if you're freaked out by you know you want to protect yourself from pregnancy but you don't know how like figure out how there are so many options for people of of all genders and sexes so What is your like, just learn, like, uh, focus on educating yourselves, because then it becomes a lot less frightening, you feel you have more facility with the information, you understand things. And again, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, this has been a great, like object lesson this year with COVID is that like, suddenly Mm -hmm. people are talking about Virology, And they're learning about it. You know, this is complicated stuff, but we've got mm-hmm. our heads around it. And that's the thing, like, we're getting new information all the time. It's, it's We're learning it every day, which I think is a fascinating moment to kind of really pay attention to how a global population is educating ourselves and each mm-hmm. other. And so this is, I mean, what I, I, I say this, that, like, sex geeks have kind of had a leg up in this because we already are talking about the ways in which our choices affect other people's health health mm. right and yeah. so we are pretty i mean not everybody all the time but like we're pretty adept we have practice at oh okay like this is what i do these are my protocols how does your how do your choices fit in with that right yeah,
0: let's have we, the conversation
1: let's have the conversation and suddenly now we're doing it for you know christmas dinner But before we, I mean, sex geeks have been having it for what do you want to experience? What are you afraid of? How can we play in a way that feels safe for both of us? And now everybody's having these conversations at the same time. And I think it's really fascinating to watch those of us who are practiced versus those of us who are terrified and have never tried this before, Mm, how to have a conversation about risk and risk assessment and safety.
0: And how to set a boundary, how to say, actually, no, I'm uncomfortable having a huge family Christmas with, with the, you know, our 40 extended family members this year. And I'm going to set a boundary around that. And I don't Mm -hmm. know if that
1: sentence is something that comes naturally to a lot of people. Oh, and I'm seeing so many people who are just being, who are being shamed by their peers, by their parents, by their families for their choices around their safety. And this is, um, again, amazing to me to watch because as a sex geek, like, I'm so familiar with that experience of like come on baby you don't really need a condom do you right and like oh, talking yes. about that <clears throat> where it's the same thing but now it's grandma saying come on baby <laughs> like you you don't know how many christmases i have left you have to oh. see me and it's like what does it mean when we're when people that we care about are are pushing us in ways that feel unsafe we have to rely. On, yeah so okay. oh, sorry <laughs> no, please please not to
0: rely please. you were going to say we have to rely on
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we have to rely on our, our ability to maintain our boundaries and to, to really honor ourselves. And I think that that's a really hard thing to do, especially when it comes to people that we love. But I think yeah. it's more important than ever to, to hold to our boundaries, to educate ourselves, to understand the risks, and to be willing to say, I love you, but no, and yeah. leave the conversation there.
0: I feel like there's actually a connection too, and this is unfortunate, but perhaps we might be realising more now that if we, if our families have raised us in a way where we're not allowed to say no, where mm-hmm. that pressure or that peer pressure or that sort of subtle shaming or passive aggression happens, um, that really does affect our ability to say no to sex partners and romantic partners. Um, yes. You know, the way that we interact with everyone is shaped by the way we interact with our families growing up. Um, so I feel like maybe there's probably a lot of, similarities between the pressure that our families place on us and the way we struggle to set boundaries sometimes with family and then the way that translates into our personal lives as well you know
1: oh absolutely an example we use so much in in my world is that you know we are we teach our children very young that their bodily autonomy is variable based on our right. needs And again, that comes from various obvious things like, you know, your baby does not want their diaper changed, but they really need their diaper changed. Right. But then it also becomes like you have to kiss grandma. Goodbye. You have to. You have no choice. And we internalize those things as children. Mm -hmm. We realize that our consent is conditional based on who has more power in the situation.
0: And it's about love too. Like, oh, you know, if you want to be loved and accepted, you do this thing that you don't want to do. And that's, oh, that's a bad precedent to set.
1: Absolutely. But, I mean, but I think it's important for us to realize how we do this to the young people in our lives and how those lessons ripple into the future. I was, to share a little bit of an anecdote, I was, uh, Mm. this was a a family wedding and my niece and nephew were, you know, kind of just being my niece and nephew and kind of just being obnoxious and driving each other crazy and my niece started crying and because Mm -hmm. her brother was being too rough with her Mm -hmm. and my sister-in-law their mother scolded her daughter for being a drama queen oh god and i watched this and i was horrified because again my my sister-in-law is a very progressive woman but i was horrified at this and i said and she said you know look at like this is just my daughter you know being so dramatic and i'm like or it's a lesson for your son to listen to a girl when she says stop
0: yeah and listen to those signals when someone's right. giving you a signal that that they're
1: hurting Right. Whether it's
0: crying or saying no, whatever it is.
1: Yeah. And I mean, they were both on the edge of them. They were both preteens. And so I'm like, this is a lesson you do not have much more time to teach. Like you have to get those teachable
0: moments. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I was like, oh, God, it was just such a moment where I'm like, and and I could see her. It hit her hard when I said that, because I think she's she saw where I was coming from. Like she's in the like, I'm a mom of two preteens and they're always driving each other crazy. I was in the I barely see these children. But here's here's a moment. Um, so I certainly don't want to say that, like, I was shaming her for her mothering skills, but it was a moment that I was like, I could recognize and then she could recognize and it became a much more Mm. positive moment for everybody. But again, like, I think it's great for us to not just as parents, but as, you know, people with young people in our lives to show, like, find those moments where we can really learn about bodily autonomy, listening to energy and words and both using our energy and words and both. Um, Mm to really, to, to make sure that we make sexual choices that are are good for us and other people. Yeah. And just
0: encouraged to feel like what we want and, and what our bodies want matters, that it's Mm -hmm. okay to go, I just don't want that. Or I just don't want you to touch me in that way to, to be told that that is an important thing because it really is. But I think Mm -hmm. it sometimes it takes a lot of us A lot of our lives to work out that it's actually okay for us to not want things Mm -hmm. that we're we're actually allowed to prioritize our own needs um
1: yeah yeah and it can make us feel selfish or greedy I mean it it can create a cascade of bad feelings and I certainly don't want it to make it sound so easy it's not again I still struggle with this stuff and I've been having sex for over 20 years yep but i think it's just again it's lifelong learning it's realizing oh this is hard but also necessary it's i'm afraid that they're going to reject me if i say i don't want this but i i still need to say i don't want this and being yeah. willing to sit with those those challenges and fears and sometimes consequences sex
0: work was really helpful for me Mm. with this one because what I found out very quickly was that clients were going to because they didn't know what I wanted they were going to ask me for all sorts of things that I didn't want to do Mm. and um, if I just went you know what it's easier to just take the money and do the thing that I don't want to do I learned very quickly that it's easier to not take the money and to say no and Mm. to not do the things I don't want to do and but you learn that by experience by going hey is it easier to just go with the flow even though I'm not into this or is it easier to? actually just prioritize my pleasure and it's easier to to prioritize your
1: pleasure like always it's always Mm. the better option and I think also like speaking from the the sex work example is that you know oftentimes I'm assuming and this might be incorrect but your clients are are approaching it from the like I don't know what I want but I want to make them feel good I want to do the thing that I think they'll like as opposed Mm -hmm. to again talking about what you individually want and where that overlap is where those things meet
0: they're coming at it in that old school way where they're like, oh, I need to know what I want and what they want and I should just get it all right the first time. So they're giving me this shopping list of things and then Mm -hmm. I'm going, well, we can't do all that but also what kind of experience do you want? Like, don't tell me which five positions you want. Tell me what, what do you want to feel? Or like, what do you want out of this for you personally? And they often, they've never been asked
1: that question before. So there's a bit of, Mm -hmm. uh, that can be a tricky question. Oh yeah. I mean, I think that this is also a big part of it is that like, we can say like, oh, you have to say no to what you don't want, but it's really hard for a lot of people to know what they do want sometimes. And a lot of times that does come from experimentation or just being willing to spend some time alone and like masturbate in a bunch of different ways ways or like mm-hmm. indulge in a different bunch of different kinds of like erotic media to try and figure out where the turn on is yeah. and I think you also just hit the nail on the head with talking about like what do you want to feel like so much about sex we think it has to look one way that we don't mm-hmm. stop to think about like well how do I want to feel after this do I want to feel you know exalted do I want to feel exhausted do I want to feel mm. like intimate do I want to feel empowered like what do I want to feel because yeah. there are a lot of different ways to meet those needs like and I you know the example is like if you want to feel ravished you don't have to get fucked you could just wrestle right yes there are many ways to get that spot there are many ways to to feel ravished or whatever and I think that's a really great skill too because it allows you to have the facility of like if you connect with somebody and you find them really hot and really sexy and you want to have an experience with them but you don't have a whole lot of overlap in terms of what you like that doesn't mean you can't play you just have Mm -hmm. to have a deeper conversation about what where your things actually do line up and this is I think really useful because like I've had sex with so many people with so many different boundaries and it's really fun to have that like pre-flight checklist of like okay what are you into like where do we want to go with this because sometimes those conversations last a really long time sometimes Mm. you're having dessert and you're talking for 45 minutes before you find the thing that you (laughs) both want to do yep Um, But it's really fun to have that like, go through it all and see like, where do we overlap? What are we into that works? I mean, my example is like, my partner is not kinky. He's not he doesn't like pain at all. Um, Mm -hmm. But he tends to like a lot of really badass, powerful women who tend to identify as doms. So -hmm. it becomes this like, well, how can we play in a way where you're not going to hurt me? (laughs) But it will be really fun, but you'll also be it'll be fun for you. And he has a great story of like hooking up with a sadist in a way that was great because she was able to to get her like I'm hurting you without without him actually feeling hurt thing met. And I thought that was just such a a fun example of like creativity and being willing to like open the aperture of what sex can be and really see what else is available to you.
0: Yeah, totally. And having that open-mindedness and having that conversation. And incidentally, that's my favorite first date dessert conversation uh, to have. (laughs) So, you know, are we going to get it on? What are you into? Like, what have you done before that you liked? What do you think? What's on your mind? But then to just go, hey, and it doesn't necessarily just have to be about fucking. Like, Mm. what else are you into? Like, yeah do you want to wrestle have you ever tried x and just Mm -hmm. opening it up otherwise we're just on that same boring kind of particularly if you're hetero Mm -hmm. um that same boring kind of one-way street oh you know we're gonna make out and then we'll have piv sex and then we'll probably both fall asleep and there's so much more to life
1: (laughs) there is there is (laughs)
0: Ah, this has been such an amazing conversation thank you I think we got through about maybe half the questions I had and then we just got stuck into this huge conversation about all this meta stuff that was awesome very happy oh good (laughs) I guess the last thing that um I guess um our listeners really need to know is where can people get your book and what can they expect? Like give us a little teaser around what's, what's in there and what they might learn because I think oh gosh, this is yeah. going to be a good, a good thing for them.
1: Well, yeah, in Australia specifically, I know the Book Depository carries the book. And then pretty mm-hmm. much any other uh, independent retailer, I always recommend re- reaching out, especially nowadays, to your indie stores. I know that Melbourne yep. car- a lot of st- stores in Melbourne carry um, Girl Sex 101, Sex Toy Stores, mm-hmm. um, and uh, all around Australia. So absolutely like, reach out to your local indies and see if they can order the book if that feels good to you and also it's available as an ebook and an audiobook so if you want the immediate satisfaction of a download that is also <laughs> totally available to you and um, if you don't yeah. like
0: reading get the audiobook because it's a great option for people yes that totally I, I
1: narrate that book and my partner reed uh, does a little guest spot here and there to help me with the dirty talk oh, portions <laughs> so, yeah it was actually really fun um so yeah so in, in terms of the expectations i mean it does really cover a lot of ground i think you know what the conversation you and Georgie and I or Georgie, you and I just had is very mm. much a, a lot of the book. But at the same time, there is a lot of practical expl- like explorations of like how to have difficult conversations, contraception, abortion. Uh you know, there's it's a really wide-sweeping book. I talk about drugs and you know, and, yes. and different kinds of ways that people interact with drugs and during and alcohol during sex. Mm-hmm. Um and then also, like, yeah, dirty talk, how to how to negotiate sexily. Like there's a lot of different things. It's it's a pretty big book. My 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 editors were working on me really hard to cut it down, and it's now at almost (laughs) three hundred pages. So it's it's pretty hefty. Um, There's a lot to sex, and there's a lot to sex. Yeah, and I mean for me, also like we were talking about at the top of this, I like to have the ability to flip around a little bit. So this book certainly, you know, it builds on concepts, but it's you you can search the index and see. Okay, I want to learn more about this. And you can just Mm. learn about those couple pages and that might be just as fulfilling. So there's a lot to cover.
0: Love it. And just to reiterate, the book is called getting it by Alison moon. Um, Highly recommend. I just downloaded it literally five minutes before we started talking. And then I furiously started reading and then I realized (laughs) there was no way I was going to get through the book before we actually met up. (laughs) Um, And if people want to find you online, where can they, uh, where can they
1: find more about your work? Sure. So girlsex101.com is my website. I'm on Twitter at Hey Allie Moon. Uh, That's A-L-L-I-E Moon. Um, Yeah, those are the two best places to find me online. Good stuff. Um,
0: I feel like I've learned a lot today. Thank you so much for talking. This has been just a really epic, fantastic
1: hookup chat, and I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Georgie. I've enjoyed it as well. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. I hope it's been as good for you as it's been for us. If you want to learn more, check out out outofthehookup.com for articles, your questions answered, and of course, the book. Please share this podcast with anyone you think might need it. Spread the word as well as the love, and let's make the world of hookups a better place.